The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mazurowski. A Buffalo man will return to court Friday on a felony charge of leaving the scene of a fatal crash outside Highmark Stadium Monday night. A 65-year-old Rochester man was struck and killed on Southwestern Boulevard. District Attorney John Flynn said there were no other traffic violations involved in the incident. The, the actual crime is not striking the pedestrian. The crime is leaving the scene. 32-year-old Karula Hassan was working as a delivery driver at the time of the incident. Police found him at his home three hours after the crash, after a witness gave police his license plate information. After their loss to Denver Monday night, the Bills yesterday fired offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. Sean McDermott saying it was his decision, but wouldn't get into why the switch was made now. I think overall the best thing to do right now is not get into what the reasons were that led to this change, but just overall what we can do about it moving forward. And, and that's really what I'm focused on right now is I just felt this was the right time. Certainly, you know, unfortunate situation, but overall trying to instill some new energy in our offense, new confidence, and new consistency in terms of the production. Quarterbacks coach Joe Brady now takes over the offense. The Bills play the Jets Sunday at home at 4.30. Big change. Um, I don't know. Is it stunning? You know what? I feel like we'll find out Sunday. It's one of those things that uh, a lot of people said, oh, you know, do it, do it. When it actually happens, I think a lot of people are like, oh, wow. You know, they're... uh, Was he the real problem? They're in it right now. You know, they got a lot of problems. Can't fire everybody, though. At least mid-season, you can't. (laughs) That's that's, uh, what they're saying over a one-Bills drive. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about that throughout the morning. Hear more from Bills head coach Sean McDermott as well. Well, the political maneuvering has begun just days after Congressman Brian Higgins announced that he's stepping down. WBEN's Brayton Wilson with some of the names that have been in the mix. Tuesday saw the first local Democratic leader formally toss their hat into the ring in the upcoming race for NY26. As State Senator Tim Kennedy is gearing up to make a run for Brian Hagan's seat in the nation's capital. This is personal, not just for me, but for families across western New York. At the end of the day, I've got the will, the drive, and the passion to do everything I need to do to deliver for western New York in Congress, and I've got a track record to prove it in New York already. Meanwhile, fellow state State Senator Sean Ryan is another potential Democratic candidate that has been linked to be a fit for the NY26 seat in Congress. However, when speaking with WBEN on Tuesday, he did not specify whether he is interested in potentially running this early in the process. While Ryan understands that the role in Congress is enticing to many, he does point to the ongoing dysfunction in Washington as a reason why leaders like Higgins are stepping away from their roles. We're in a period of hyper-partisanship ever since the last presidential election. You know, People are still saying the election was stolen. So it seems like there's not a whole lot of reality now in, in the really hyperpartisan electorate. So I hope time is something that heals that. It's a real confusing time, but we hope with dialogue and time that we get back to the America that we know and that we want to return to. More from Ryan and Kennedy is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. It appears Congress will avoid a government shutdown after the House passed a short-term funding bill Tuesday. Anna 
Hornicki is in Washington with more. The bill is part of House Speaker Mike Johnson's two-tier plan to extend funding for part of the government through January 19th and fund the remaining parts of the government through February 2nd. That will allow us to go through the deliberative process in good faith to do the appropriations process as it should be done. But the bill doesn't include steep spending cuts that some Republicans wanted. Without all House Republicans on board, Johnson had to reach across the aisle to get the votes needed to pass the bill. The measure now goes to the Senate, where it is expected to pass. All right, so we'll have uh, much more on this still to come from Washington today. Will a shutdown be averted? Looks like that's the case right now. Not the only fireworks on Capitol Hill. The senator who challenged a union boss to a fight during a hearing yesterday revealing what led up to their explosive exchange. Oklahoma Senator Mark Wayne Mullen was questioning Teamsters President Sean O'Brien when the two nearly came to blows. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold, stop it. Senator Mullen, who owns a plumbing company, said his feud with O'Brien began months ago when the senator accused the Teamsters of trying to intimidate his employees into unionizing. O'Brien on social media back in June called Mullen a greedy CEO, clown, and fraud, adding, you know where to find me, any place, any time, cowboy. You don't do that. You don't go run off the mouth unless you expect to be called to the carpet. And, uh, and I did that. Wow. Andrea Fujii with the report. I love like all the terms like don't run your mouth unless yeah. you're going to be on the carpet. Cowboy. Easy cowboy, <laughs> you know. And man, I, I was uh, I was hoping though that you know, maybe I was the only one. Maybe it would they represent gone. a new low. Toe but, to toe. You know, if you're going to talk the talk, walk the walk. NTSB officials are investigating what a fiery multi-vehicle crash east of Columbus yesterday that led six people to death, including three teens. Authorities say the chain reaction crash on the I-70 involved five vehicles. We have heavy fire on the traffic camera, and we are being advised that there is children trapped on the bus. One of them, a semi-truck, slamming into a charter bus carrying the Tusky Valley marching band on their way to a performance. Students leaping out of the windows, and then an explosion. Of the three teens killed, the youngest was 15. More than a dozen others were taken to hospitals. Police confirm at least three other people were killed in a car that was involved in the crash. Yeah, it was uh, just an ugly scene. The images from this crash, the uh, images from above, just horrified yesterday looking at that. Well, the largest medical facility in Gaza now at the center of Israel's ground war against Hamas. Overnight, the Israeli military launched what it calls a targeted operation at Al-Shifa Hospital in Gaza. The Hamas-run health ministry claims dozens of soldiers were inside the emergency department as Israeli forces searched the hospital's basement. U.S. officials say there's evidence that Hamas has been using tunnels beneath hospitals to hide weapons and hostages. A senior U.S. official calls the tunnels multi-layered and extensive, containing hundreds of Hamas fighters who've set booby traps. It's Justin Finch with the latest from overseas. President Biden hoping to stabilize ties with Beijing in the face-to-face meeting today with Chinese leader Xi on the sidelines of the APEC summit in San Francisco. A high-stakes meeting at a historic estate outside the city 
is the leader's first engagement in a year. They may come to some agreement on areas like trying to combat fentanyl trade, mm. on climate change, but nothing major that's going to change the overall arc of this relationship that is clearly competitive and tense. When it comes to the conflicts overseas, U.S. officials say President Biden is expected to bring them up as well. China has very warm relations with Iran. Biden is expected to urge Xi to use his leverage to try and convince Iran and its proxies not to further escalate the conflict. Selena Wang in San Francisco. And Sabres last night, not a great one. Lose to Boston 5-2. to two. The bigger loss, though, might be Tage Thompson. Thompson, injured in two separate incidents during the game. Head coach Don Granado gave a bleak update after. Tage is going to miss some time here, uh, probably some significant time, unfortunately. Um, fought through the first injury, couldn't fight through the second one in that game. So um, credit to him, the battle. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. He uh, looked after the game, Granado, like uh, someone told him Christmas was canceled. Just oh. like had that kind of mood, and yeah. uh, that's how it felt. Buffalo on the road next Friday night in Winnipeg as we uh, wait for a little bit more of an update on Tage Thompson's injury. All right. Rough week here for uh, Buffalo sports. <laughs> sports teams are not uh, picking up the mood, that is for sure. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Partly sunny, breezy, and milder today. Temperatures in the mid to upper 50s this afternoon. Tonight, clear to partly cloudy. Overnight lows near 40. On Thursday, a good deal of sunshine. Highs near 60 degrees. Near 60 on Friday with rain likely. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Michael Cornell is joining us this morning on WBEN. Hamburg School Superintendent and President of the Erie Niagara School Superintendents Association. State education officials are considering some big changes to New York's high school graduation requirements. Uh, Michael, you know, right away when you hear this, you wonder, why? Why are they considering this? What do you know about that? Well, here's here's what I know. This conversation goes back to 2019, where... um, the commissioner at the time talked about the desire of the department to undertake the work of a comprehensive review of diploma requirements. Uh, like many things, COVID delayed that progress. The commission was actually impaneled finally in fall of 2022. And the final report was presented to uh, the Board of Regents by the commission earlier in November. And here's, here's, what, I, here's what I know. Here, here's what I think the highlights are uh, the regents are going to remain. They're not getting rid of regents' exams, but the department is going to likely create some optionality around them. And I think the exams, I mean, they've evolved over time. Let's remember the the New York State regents' exam has been around since 1875 or something like that. So it's an enterprise that's been around for a while. It's it's, it's been uh, modified over time, and I think it's uh, right to to continue to modify them and Think about how necessary they are in all student circumstances. Uh, we have to remember that all all kids, every kid is a unique learner with their own uh, unique learning needs and customizing around them and, and having less one size fits all, I think is always going to be a good thing. Uh, one diploma instead of three different types of diplomas, but you can add endorsements and seals like for CTE, uh, like trades, for example, in SEALs, like for civ- civics, uh, by literacy, performing arts, 
Um, and I think the department is going to provide some guidance and rubrics around how we can use uh, and evaluate performance assessments. Uh, and performance assessment, I think, is a really important way for us to think about assessing kids. So uh, anytime we get away from, from standardization in education, uh, you know, get away from a one-size-fits-all um, type of standardized curriculum and assessment, um, and, you know, start moving towards what the mo- – think about what happens in the modern world. Everything in the modern world is customized to suit the end user experience. And then every kid has to learn the same thing in the same way in the same class at the same time and take the same test. And then we expect them to go out to the modern world where everything is customized uh, to the end user experience. There's a dissonance and a disconnect very often between the institution of education and what we expect them to do when, when, we, when they leave us after graduation in high school. You know, when you start to talk about the regents exams, and it's something that says, I mean, this would not be the first time we're having this conversation, right, where there is kind of this disconnect where a lot of people are of the mind, okay, I agree, like things, maybe a standardized test isn't the best way to go about it. At the same time, are we just going to eliminate tests because, well, kids can't pass them anymore? And there has to be some way to measure proficiency. And, you know, sometimes it is going to come down to a test. Well, I mean, let's let's be clear about what the we just take the regents exams. I mean, right now, for most regents exams, the way the scores are scaled and the tests are designed, you know, you can a student can correctly answer 50% of the questions and still pass. So, you know, and it's not because the kids can't pass them. It's because they're much less memorizing tests and much more kind of, um, you know, they're almost performance assessments in themselves. They have to analyze documents or uh, make assessments about how to, how to conduct an experiment and, and offer opinions in writing and extended response questions. It's very difficult to accurately capture what a kid knows and can do in a paper and pencil test. You know, it's kind of like a square peg in a round hole in a world where all of the world's knowledge is in every student's pocket in their phone. So how much do we need them to memorize versus how much do we have to make sure that they can think critically and creatively, collaborate productively, and communicate effectively about their work in a variety of media? I mean, that's the modern world. That's the stuff that we need to have our kids leave with. You know, they need to be able to create, care, solve, and discover out in the modern world, not remember every element of Jacksonian democracy. Um, So we're trying to find an assessment system and a graduation set of graduation requirements that can actually capture that for kids. You know, what do we want them to do? Be able to pass a, a social studies test or be able to create a thoughtful, thoughtfully curated portfolio uh, for students in visual and performing arts. So we want kids to be able to engage in productive debate. I think we could use more of that in our society today. Uh, be able to create a science experiment designed to test a particular hypothesis. Uh, we want our kids to be problem si- uh, solvers. We want them to be problem finders. There's things we need solved in the world, and these are the kids that are going to have to do it. They're going to, I mean, these kids, if a seventh grader is going to be in their prime earning years in the 2030s and the 2040s. 
So these kids need to learn how to be really good, caring, productive, creative thinkers. We need an assessment system and a set of graduation requirements that allow us to capture that in school. I was reading some of the objectives here, and among other things, it includes financial literacy education. Are, Are too many kids coming out of high school today without these basic skills? You know, I think we do a halfway decent job in school of doing that. Actually, in Hamburg, we have a graduation requirement. Every kid has to take a personal finance course in order to graduate from high school. Um, and, you know, I think there's I think an emphasis on some of those some of those things is, is certainly appropriate. I mean, if, if, a, if a young person is going to be a welder <clears throat> and, you know, what an amazing field for kids. Right. Um, if they're going to go into the visual and performing arts, would we rather have them, uh, you know, focus on a seal of, of biliteracy or a seal of financial literacy? Or do we want them to make sure that they can, um, you know, pass a particular test uh, that tests their knowledge of a novel? You know, every, every path after high school has value. The economy is wildly diverse right now in terms of opportunity. Um, and things we think are really important now, like we teach our kids starting in first grade how to code. Like literally we have six-year-olds coding robots. But AI may, might make coding as a skill obsolete in five years. You know, who knows? So what we're really trying to do, what what I think the department is trying to do, is provide a sense of optionality for school districts so we can customize the end user experience, not only for the needs of that particular student for what they want to do with with their life, but also allow them to be able to adapt to the world after they graduate from high school. Because they're going to have three or four different jobs in a very competitive, very diverse global economy and labor market. So if we don't teach them how to think uh, when they leave here um, through a variety of diverse activities and authentic real-world activities, we're hamstringing them for their future if we don't do that. Michael, I think a lot of people are listening to you and what you just said are nodding along in agreements, you know, what we're going to teach kids. And I I might sound uh, like an old man here, but is there not also some value in having kids, uh, you know, learn a task. You mentioned some of these, uh, you know, things like ancient democracy or, you know, some of these uh, fact-based things to have them kind of do something that you don't want to do, in other words, um, do it well enough to have some level of proficiency in it and then demonstrate that. And that takes a, a good amount of work that will translate, a lot of people have thought over the years, to the real world. Yeah, I, I, yes. So let's be clear what I think is happening here. Maybe I haven't uh, captured it exactly right. There are going to be a lot of kids who are going to graduate from high school taking five, six, and seven regents exams. The regents exams aren't going away. For a large percentage of kids, um, taking five or six or seven regents exams is the path that they're going to want to take to high school graduation because of the college program that they want to enroll in, uh, because of the profession that they think they want to attack when they graduate from college. So that, that is going to be there. What we've done in, in school for the last probably 30 years is told generations of kids that if you don't go to a four-year college and, and get a four-year college degree, you're going to be living in a van down by the river. 
And what we try, what we're trying to make sure that we do is we open up pathways for kids for whom passing five regions exams is is not what they need to do in order to become, uh, you know, somebody who's going to work in the performing arts, uh, somebody who's going to work in the trades. Um, and we need people in those pro- those professions desperately, as we all know. So maybe they're going to take one or two regents exams. So it's not like you're going to be able, I don't think anyway, although you'll be able to graduate from high school uh, without passing any regents exams. There's obviously value to, to young people graduating from high school having a real sense for uh, the traditions of democracy, uh, the canon of literature, and other things. Like, I don't think that's going away, and I don't have any sense that that's the intention of the department as they think about revising requirements. This isn't a, we live in a complex world. We don't have the luxury of or choices, it's tests or performance assessments. Uh, we have the obligation of trying to find a set of and solutions to how we construct diploma requirements so that they can do a combination of you pass some of the regents exams, but then there's also some of these other ways that you can demonstrate what you know and can do that are more performance related, more authentically designed for the real world so that we open pathways up because we we keep a lot of kids um, kind of stuck in limbo in terms of graduation uh, because they need to pass one single regents exam uh, that really is not going to have a significant impact on their uh, ability to go out and make a living for themselves and a family. So it's about finding optionality. It's about having less standardization, less one size fits all so that we can meet the needs of all learners. But to be clear and to your point, uh, that that pathway of five or six or seven regions exams is still one that's going to be taken by probably a majority of students. All right. Well, hey, it's interesting to talk about, and thank you for the time. I really do appreciate it. Michael Cornell, president of the Erie Niagara Superintendents Association. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.